just feel like it should be bigger than it is. Like, I fucking love flat track. Like, I'm obsessive over it. So it's, like, weird to try to, like, sell it to people. And then they're like, okay, well, like, where do I go check this out? And I'm like, oh, you got to get on Fans Choice. And you got to do all this bullshit. Episode 112, Tank Slapping Podcast. Got a freshie coming at you. On the other side of the mic, we got somebody fresh. Honestly, it's it's an upgrade. Like, Robbie Bobby, I'm not sure what exactly he's doing. He he bailed on us, but we got Lane's World, a.k.a. Ryan Lane, on the pod. What's up, bro? What up, gang? What up? Thank you for having me on, Corey. Uh, yeah, I don't know what Robbie's got going on today. Top secret race shop business, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I saw he's got good to be on though, man. He's got something going on. Uh, who knows, man? Who knows with him? But yeah, dude, it's it's good to have you on. Um, obviously, you have a big following in the industry now nowadays, like moto, flat track. Um, but I want to get some insight because just uh, just how far you've come in a short amount of time in in the sport of flat track and your video work like when i describe your videos to other people it's kind of like it's not just like video and editing there's like a style and a technique and it's like there's an entertainment value that um that you bring to it like your your personality is really shown in your videos and i think that's something that's different from a lot of video people um so let's talk about your flat track background first off kind of and how you got involved in it because it seems like you've been around forever but it's only been like a couple years yeah man i appreciate it uh yeah man just very humble beginnings i guess with uh starting with dalton um met dalton kind of through instagram locally wasn't really doing video or a whole lot of anything at the time and kind of just became a fan of the sport and went and checked the guys out riding moto at 191 uh, here in Pensacola and they were like, yo, you got to come over to PDT and watch us get down, have a shred session. So I, uh, I met Dalton Merg like real day ones back when way before PDT was, I mean, it's considerably nicer now, but at the time it was kind of a shithole. It was like a nice track, you know, Robbie Bobby was just giving these boys the keys to the race shop and the track and everything and went over there and shot the first video and dude it was looking back on that now i mean it seems like it was like such garbage at the time but it also it was like pretty cool as knowing absolutely nothing about flat track and then jumping in and kind of getting like you know on in some way that would be like you know one of these top moto dudes hitting you up and you would like never picked up a camera and filmed anything like that and you're like all right i'll go try my hand and honestly, I think flat track may be, it, I think it's harder to film than moto. Um, obviously a lot less saturated now with less people doing it, but yeah, it, it was awesome, dude. And that's been probably two going on three years ago. So wow. I still feel new to it. Like even when I get to go to AFT and we get to go to the new rounds and stuff, like I'm still grateful to be able to travel to some of these places that like, I doubt I would have ever been in like wisconsin or like maybe a laconia bike week one day if i like bought a hog or something but doubtful so well, all the first time stops for the past two years have been sweet 
Yeah, I mean, like, you're homies with a lot of people in this sport. So that's why maybe it seems like you've been around forever because you go to the AFT races and, you you know, you can find – I can see you over at the Essenson pit, the Indian pit. Uh, you're, you're probably the only roamer in the pits that, that can, like – because there's, like, clicks, and, you know, you're either team. I know maybe people thought I was, like, spying at first and everything, but I do feel pretty friendly with everybody. I mean, at the end of the day, like, obviously, you know, you got a problem with Dalton or BK or Merg or, like, one of the boys. Like, I mean, I'm riding for them, but at the same time, I'm friends with a lot of the people and kind of see, like, I guess you could call it drama, but I feel like that's almost, like, disrespectful to it. Like, shit happens on race day, and it's just, like, this is part of it. Like there's crazy stuff that's going to happen and you're going to see people on like their highest of highs and lowest of lows if you're around for a full race season, which, and you know, in documenting that, it's kind of weird. Like, um, I guess I can just leak it. Anyone who's listening to tank Slappin's a pretty loyal fan, but, uh, I'm going to do some YouTube stuff next year. And I think I'm going to use like maybe some of the stuff from the season, some of like the more like personal bits with people and like, obviously everything like within good taste to like for good promotion and everything of the sport. But I think it's something that a lot of fans would be really interested by to get a close look. Not that, uh, I think Thunder does a phenomenal job with that, but, um, every, every rider and every interaction is always going to be different when they see the camera, depending on who's holding that camera. Like they're going to, divulge certain information to certain people and have a certain tone of conversation with certain people that it's kind of cool to have different hands and in that pot and seeing you know like it's it was funny to like the when we always have rain outs to like walk around and just kind of ask people how they're feeling and a lot of that clips you can't just immediately throw that out there you know but as time passes and it's like not really a big deal anymore a year later it's like really funny to see someone's attitude at a rain out in peoria or it you know with the tracks bad or if their day's going bad because they look back on it after they've won some races or whatever and they're like oh it was a pretty funny day yeah no doubt there's a comfort level there but uh want to make sure we shout out mission foods that supports the podcast they they keep us going they keep the industry going if you can you're a fan you're listening Go out, support Mission Foods, buy some products your local grocery store. If you can't find it, you know, online, Google, Amazon, I'm, I'm sure you guys can find the products. But what they're doing for the sport is just so underrated. They're not only helping out the industry, the, the you know, the mission challenges, but many of the teams, the riders. Um, it's it's actually, it's crazy to think about what the sport was like without Mission Foods. So thank, I want to thank them for supporting the podcast and also Bell Helmets. Check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. It's uh, it's refreshing as a Bell guy to see so many people wearing the Bell products. Uh, you know, it's definitely changed the landscape and flat track with the helmets. Over the last few years, more and more guys are wearing, uh, riders are wearing Bell helmets. The quality and safety is unmatched. If you start tank slapping, want to be protected by Bell. Uh, man, that's sick. Uh, yeah, I think, honestly, it's it's expected. Like, we're we're all out there. We're racing against each other. Um, a lot of people in moto, like in moto, you see it more like the rivalries and you see like, you know, the, the jet Lawrence flipping off whoever the hell that was over the finish line. I think it was Michael Moisman and like in flat track, it's like in moto a little bit, moto GP, it comes off as like charming a little bit. Like people enjoy that. Like they love the Phil Nicoletti's, they love the Weston Pikes, but in flat track, the fans are so, it seems like they're 
they're so quick to like get pissed off. Like for instance, and I'll get your feelings on it, but like JD and Jared at the red mile, I loved it. Like that's dude, these guys are passionate guys. They're spending, they're risking their lives for a career. You're going to see that shit and everything JD did, everything Jared did in that instance, I'm cool with both of it. Like, I think it was good for the sport and to showcase that I think it's important. Man, flat track has this weird way of typically dudes that from what, when I film and what I've seen is like when guys are really battling, like when you have like the Briar and Jared battles or uh, Jared and JD, like any of these guys, they really only like obviously speed. They're battling with dudes that are on their skill level. And I feel like most dudes have like, you'll run me the way that I run you. Like, I don't really see too many people like come up on Merg and do anything crazy because he doesn't really ever do that to anybody else and it's like like that there's like a perfect amount of give and take uh you know everyone's different like dan like dan bromley will tap you on you know on the ass when he's passing you at 100 miles an hour uh i don't know like i think that it's special in flat track like almost the danger and how close you are to people like you have to have some kind of emotion and stuff in the pits like you need that like fiery like you have to be able to sell that. You have to be able to push that energy kind of on people. And like, it's gnarly. It's not really the more that I've been around it. It's uh, I definitely think it's a, I think it's an awesome family sport, but something about like the main event is not a PG event almost like I don't in, I like in it. the best way. Like it's exciting. And it's like, you know, like dudes are, if you're doing a hundred miles an hour on anything, especially without a cage, like, that's gnarly shit. Like you could be doing 50 in a go-kart and it's, you know, like people get pissed off. So it's like you start doing a hundred plus on a bike on dirt. I've, I just totally understand like the fire of how shit goes. And I just wish it was, I guess more like accepted amongst like mainstream broadcast and everything else to like, dive deeper into that it's something that in even in moto it's like they the weston pike incident like whooping up on uh, on freezy <laughs> like years later it's really funny but it's like if i recall like he was suspended and fined and shit you know it's like there's a lot of fans that like they love the j-law when you're uh i don't know like almost like out and up it's like at the time it's it doesn't hold true they don't love you the same when you're doing it it's like people that are talking shit on something and then it does good and everyone loves it and it's cool to love it and they're like oh that's sick but what do you think the uh the, like being in moto like you go to star compound you film you film at these big amateur races baja brawl you go to k-rock you do all these events in moto what's the biggest difference you think in personality like between the flat track guys you spend a lot of time around them versus the moto guys um like what's that what are their personality differences that you see man even with getting a film um shout out to levi kitchen um uh, kind of got me in over i get to go film at star pretty regularly it's an awesome group of guys um the um team manager for the 250s jensen Hendler, just like cool dudes they kind of i think they kind of know that like i've like I don't, I try not to take like real close pics of the bikes or anything like that. Kind of respect privacy, but big shout out to them for letting me come up there and have fun. And uh, Luik, the track guy, 
but as far as personality guys with uh, moto i feel like i kind of fall in with the same kind of people that i do with flat track like even when i first started working with dalton i kind of immediately realized that he was a guy that was like kind of pushing the bar like doing stuff that was i wouldn't say like against the grain but like even down to the kits you know like bright colors like you know kind of exciting personalities um but with moto i think it's i don't know flat track always gives me a blue collar vibe in a really good way um maybe just because there's like less money in it but i don't know like energy wise and personality wise I don't think that they're that opposite. I think that a lot of people think that the sports are way different. And I think that flat track could easily be as big as motocross with the right tracks, uh, like as a pushing point, like, you know, how big of a TT guy I am. I feel like that's like the, uh, like to get the Ferrans and the Sipes and all these guys, like the TTs are like a melting pot to me for, motocross and flat track and in america right now i think that would be the biggest that and short tracks just because they're obviously it's a you need a lot less space like being able to do indoors and stuff but i think it's underrated how much a difference a good track makes in growing the sport and like getting people to watch it like like if you go watch on tangents for no, you know dude, how I am about like no it's it's so deep about like how to get fans to come to it but it's like it's like Baja Brawl, all those events that you mentioned, um, like hell, even a good practice day at Star, watching like three dudes battle, it has that Supercross vibe. Like when you go to Supercross and like obviously there's no fucking pyro out at Star popping off, but like you see like Kitchen and like uh, right now it's like Romano. They're not really on the same Levi Solo faster, obviously, than Romano, but them and Jay Coop and all these guys, Ferrandis, like, throwing down all together in just a practice session. And, like, hell, they're still, like, 60 days out. But you can still feel, like, that same rush of, like, when you go to a Supercross and there's two laps left and dudes are, like, dicing it up. And, I mean, flat track has that same feeling the closer that the guys are together. So on a short track, like, if Dalton, Brandon, you – you know, Briar, whoever, go get on 450s and go cut PDT up for 10 minutes. It's like there's a lot of, like, high-intensity battles or just fun that kind of feels like a race night. Yeah, versus watching us at, like, like, Volusia or something. Like, it's a... a Yeah, and the danger is seemingly less. You know, it's like you're probably going to get more bruised on the short track, but I I don't know. I, I have, like, all these, like, little weird ideas after being around the sport for three years i'm like oh this would attract more fans this would well if i'm bringing like just a video guy no dude you've mentioned it before and it's got me thinking like if you if i'm bringing someone new to the sport and i want them to stay hooked or if i'm trying to bring in a new sponsor like hey this sport's sick i'm not bringing them to a one-line volusia or something like that i'm gonna bring them to lima i'm gonna bring them to something that really showcases the talent of, of the riders. Cause it's not visible. Like when you watch us on like a two wheel track, Volusia or something like rough and crummy, like Laconia, um, Weedsport, it doesn't really sh- like watching that as an outsider, you'd probably be like, so this is challenging. Is it, it doesn't look challenging, but if you watch us go 120 mile an hour at OKC mile 
or Lima where we're sideways, like that's exciting for people. I feel like, so yeah, I just wanted to get your insight on it because like, no, you're, you're true though. It has a, it has a, like a, uh, an appeal to, or I guess uh, it doesn't do justice watching it on TV for someone who like doesn't ride. Like if you ride, you kind of get it. You're like, oh shit, they're going fast. But when you see it in person, you're just like, damn, like they're hauling so much ass. Like like watching Shannon or something. Like you just see someone that's you don't like you don't weigh enough on a bike or something, and it like starts wobbling on your, you know, like the bike's not hooking up good for you. Or even like the people that are in like the singles back of the pack and like C group dude, like it's gnarly to watch those dudes like try to qualify, you know, like it's like you see someone make a main, it's like a huge deal to see someone get there. You just realize like how difficult it is to go that fast at that level. Like, like all you guys that win, you know, like the, you're pushing yourself on a level that if you're, if you're not around it, you kind of can't, it's, it's been amazing to be like a filmer, like to go like sit the rail at Springfield, and watch him come by you it's just like you can't really explain that to people and it's it's even you know with a good camera or whatever it's still really hard to put out that feel to people but i've just been real huge on like uh i wouldn't say selling like a, a fake energy in any way like selling like the most authentic energy of whatever event that i've been at like if i go to springfield like i want to go sit the rail if i go to swamp fest bmx event i want to see a guy fucking shotgun a beer and break his leg trying to backflip his bike you know it's like you got to capture whatever it is in the rawest form and like the best tracks for aft i think they all the, the broadcast really do that like when you watch lima um springfield daytona short track uh you know pretty much any of the miles when they're a good track like there's a lot of stuff that's it's to me it's exciting as hell like it's they have something really good going. And if we can just get some good tracks, I feel like the broadcast could like take off. Yeah. No, I just feel like it should be bigger than it is. Like I fucking love flat track. Like I'm obsessive over it. So it's like, I don't know. It's like weird to try to like sell it to people. And then they're like, okay, well like, where do I go check this out? And I'm like, Oh, you got to get on fans choice. You got to do all this bullshit. Well, the media, like there's not enough media in flat track. Cause it seems like, I don't know, like for whatever reason, you know, and American flat track, I've said it before, they need to do a much better job with getting like getting clips out, getting, you know, letting people. And I don't know, you're, you're a media guy. So the restrictions that like, I know you guys can't film technically, technically you can't film, uh, you can't film main events. You can't film um, it. So like in Moto America, like I've always said, they do an amazing job with like, dude, as soon as a highlight happens, it's like on their social pages and people are sharing it. And they're like social media numbers are fucking crazy. Like they crush it. And like in flat track, it's like, it's like they don't want people to post those, those clips or, um, it's it's just kind of weird like i don't even know what i can post like as a writer and i think a lot of it has to do with not being a like a live broadcast though it's like they're still going to air it on tv so there's uh, most of that stuff is i guess less aft and more like with the networks um i've tried to like not overstep that boundary like in the two years since i've been there like uh you know it's like i want to make my own stuff but also like i want to be there and like keep working and being around the sport but 
yeah, I totally get what you're saying. It's like it it would be really sick if if it wasn't like you weren't wondering if you could post something the night that you win. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, like when Cody wins the championship, it's like I want to post this immediately, not well tomorrow it's or not in yeah, a week. News, or, yeah, and because stuff does kind of phase out, and that's another weird thing with film. It's like for me, and right now in the past couple months, I've gotten. I wouldn't say bad about it, but I film so much that honestly, I can't really keep up with it all right now. I'm kind of like figuring out for 2023, like where do I want to put all my time and all my energies into? Because obviously, you only have so much. Um, probably well, trying you do to hire all your filming and your editing, right? So, like, you're, yeah, like you're everything. Filming. Like, I'm only one dude. So, yeah, and I'm like, dude, I still love filming like amateur kids and like young kids and being able to do like a cheap project for somebody and like not in the sense of like oh i'm giving back like obviously i'm still making money but like i'm not like above doing work for anybody but at the same time it's like i can only do so much shit and it's like if briar and you and dalton and everybody else i'm trying to do work for all the boys at an event i'm probably not gonna like i uh, i can't how could it's you gonna be two weeks where i get the 85 kid as editors whatever you know and it's like you can't like you're saying, you can't grow, you can't go film more stuff if you're just always on. Well, the how same would you shit. grow? Like, like would you get another filmer, or would thin. you get another editor, or how would you how would you actually grow? Um, a little bit of both. I think there would have to be something of like you know, people when they hire you, they're wanting to work specifically with you, or like kind of what you're talking about. I think uh, until I get on a little bit better equipment, like most of the people that are reaching out, they've you know they like the work or the style of it like i'm sure there's there's plenty of people out there now that are on better equipment that i'm on now like there's dudes filming on fifty thousand dollar cameras now to make shit for instagram but um yeah like as far as getting bigger business wise uh probably having people come up under and helping with events you know if there's amateur kids or people that want to do stuff having somebody that's equally good and you know i want to help somebody else out and grow and Cause I'm, I'm an LLC, you know, it's like, this is a full-time job for me. Like when I'm not filming uh moto or filming flat track or whatever, it's like, I do like normal commercial shit, like stuff that's still fun, but you know, it's like a normal job when you're not doing the race and stuff. And as much as I like filming the race and the, uh, the normal stuff probably pays way better, but I need to be able to have hands that can go take care of that. So I can still come film you guys. Yeah. And not uh, follow it around and feel like I'm like losing my ass. No, I got but you. Yeah, I mean it's it's got to make I would sense. Still do it, you know. That's like unfortunately that's where I'm at with it now. It's like I'll still uh, like I'll run ragged to follow the series to like if because if Dalton or one of them or BK or you know one of you guys wins and I'm not there, it's like I hate it. The only event that I missed last year was uh, Springfield Day One because it's the same weekend as Brawl every year, and I didn't do. Unfortunately, I didn't do Sturgis or Castle Rock, and Dalton won at Castle Rock. But uh, yeah, as going forward for next year, maybe uh, bringing on another hand, like just an assistant, kind of to help on the weekends, like where they can take your card out of your camera and start uploading stuff in your computer while you're still out there shooting. But yeah, um, yeah. Before we get into the next part, I want to make sure we shout out Indian Motorcycle. They actually, I just got a message about an hour ago. They've just released their 2023 models. I'm sure they're either up on the website or they'll be up soon. Make sure you go on there. And yeah, just everything Indian Motorcycle is doing. Obviously, they've 
They've won another championship this year in flat track with Jared Meese. They won the Bagger Moto America Championship with Tyler O'Hara. Looks like they have a new FTR Sport. Looks badass, actually. I think it's trick. So if you get a chance, check out Indian Motorcycle. Go test ride a bike. Uh, we appreciate them supporting the podcast. And also Moto America. Everything they're doing for, for our podcast. They're huge fans of it. Chuck and Wayne. We've had Wayne Rainey on as a guest. Just pure legend. And uh, I'm excited. They... Just announced their 2023 schedule, so we'll talk about that in maybe uh, next week's podcast and uh, might have some more announcements to share with the uh, Moto America series. But yeah, follow them on social media and uh, stay tuned for their events next season. Um, I wanted to ask you too, like for people listening, like flat track fans, obviously our, our demographic is it's like 40 to 60 year old guys typically um that mostly follow the sport we're trying to change that narrative get some more younger crowd in there you're doing a good job helping that but talk about the importance like if you're trying to describe to somebody that doesn't understand social media and video like even more so video than social media talk about the importance like how important is it to invest in posting videos and having a good social media channel with like getting sponsors um, like how important is your follower account? Um, it's, it's something that's not talked about enough. And I think you've got some really good insight on that. Um, for me, like I'm still sub 10 K and it feels some days, you know, when you go to an event and there's, you know, very humbly speaking, like when people are coming up to you and they're like, yo man, I love your shit. And you're a thousand miles from home or whatever. It's like, it's like hard to believe that it gets around like that, even when you're like still kind of small, as opposed to like, my buddy Nick, you know, he's got Octane, he's got like 60, 70,000 moto followers, you know, it's like every event he goes to, people know him, people want to work with him, whatever. But as far as like putting out content, whatever, I think the coolest thing about Instagram now or TikTok or whatever platform you're posting to is like, it's still completely free to post aside from like paying for the content and having somebody shoot it. And, you know, unless you have you already have some massive factory deal. Like you can portray yourself and put out whatever you want to put out, which I think a lot of people are trying to follow a model in racing right now that I wouldn't say it's tired, but I would call it like the first wave of social media. And I, I kind of think that shit's over. Like not saying that everybody out there needs to be, you know, you're trying to recreate jackass or something on your page, but um, just putting out your own personality and full transparency will do way more for you, in my personal opinion, than trying to follow like, oh, I'm going to make this video for a sponsor. I'm going to do this for this sponsor because that sponsor is going to change next year. The audience of people that you grew, you know, likely isn't. So, um, and, and that also goes back to working with brands and, you know, shooting content for brands that align with what you're doing. You know, you can't really like chill out for a little bit of money for some shit that you're going to go back on or that doesn't really fit your lifestyle. You know, it's like a guy like, uh, like Chad Costa sponsors are going to look a lot different than JD Beach's sponsors, you know? No. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Um, I just think it's underrated. Like, and I've even noticed it with Instagram, like how, how little views or likes photos are getting like initially Instagram was just photos. And I remember like early Instagram, uh, there was a platform you're in that age bracket. Uh, I think it was vine. 
you, were you a Vine guy? You know what I'm talking about? Vine, yeah, dude. Yeah. Vine was sick. It was like yeah. six or seven second videos. Yeah, it was just like real yeah. quick. It was like shortened TikTok. Yeah, but yeah so then, the videos yeah. have definitely taken over. But there's yeah. no real, to me, I mean, I'm not an Instagram expert as far as like the algorithm. I, like, I don't even, like when I do reels, I don't ever use like the popular songs or whatever. Like I definitely, um, not probably for the worst, like I've stayed, like I've only made and put out what I wanted to put out. And I think you got to play the game a little bit if you're really trying to grow quickly. Uh, you know, like say you're using like the most popular audio, the chance that that reel is going to go viral is much greater. But I've yeah. always just kind of been under the impression with Instagram. Um, I love the app just because it kind of like, I think they give like the perfect amount of freedom. Like I don't see too much show on Instagram and I'm like, Oh, I wish I wouldn't have seen that. Like that's too weird. But it's also like, it doesn't feel like a world star, but it's like pretty gnarly. It's like, you'll see some stuff on Instagram, you know, that you have to like click like, yes, I want to view this content where you're like, damn, they really let them post that. And that's yeah, like, like a, that's like a, a massive thing. cut the, or something. I've noticed like people will get like stitches and it'll be like their hand all cut open. I'm like, fuck like bold. dude people <laughs> like to see gnarly shit you know yeah, it's like yeah. want to see <laughs> the stuff that they're like oh my god they actually put that out there like i don't know if i'm going to patreon or to one of the subscription base you know i think sooner than later that's where it all ends up because people are just going to keep pushing it farther and farther like like you saw the car now guys got the sponsorship from only fans yeah, you know? man. He's, it's like you can't you can't not acknowledge like shit that's working. And it's like, who's to say if you put like the most gnarly moto weekend ever every weekend out, like if you're really going out there and living that life and you were putting that on OnlyFans, it's like it's not like you got to be, you know, an Instagram model to make money off of any nah, of you platforms. Put, like, people paying yeah, for what they want to see. So behind the scenes stuff um, or whatever. So yeah, no, I. It's kind of crazy on like, so like Cruz's TikTok or whatever. Um, I'll post, dude, I'll post a video of him riding a bicycle with a helmet on, not crashing or anything. And the video will get flagged. Like we've had, dude, I've had like 20 videos get, get flagged on TikTok. And it's just like, it's just like minor safety. I'm like, bro, he's riding a fucking bicycle with a helmet on. It's, it's so, it's, it's so frustrating. Then you have like women that are breastfeeding, like on <laughs> on tiktok or girls you know <laughs> dancing half naked i'm like my kid can't ride a bicycle so like instagram's cool because i can post a video of him like riding his bike and not have it getting taken down and you mentioned the like song choices and i've played around a little bit with like song choices but i did a reel on his page about a month ago and i almost didn't even put it up because it was such a lazy edit like i just needed to post a video on his page I'm like, fuck it. I'll just post up like, dude, there was no, no sound. It was just the sound of his electric bike. Sounds like a DeWalt drill. And, uh, it went on, it's like a 24 and a half million, uh, views. And like, you know, so like what I know about Instagram algorithms is I don't know shit. Like nothing makes sense. Like, I don't think there's a lot. They push stuff off of phones more though, which people to have a hard time believing but they want you to post from a phone like it takes if you're only posting from a camera to your page it's going to take a lot longer to build than you know throwing out iphone clips every day surprisingly i think a good uh, mix is is good but yeah i don't know it's 
It's crazy. I want to give a shout out to uh, Dunlop Motorcycle Tires, 19-inch and 17-inch flat track tires. Check out their website, DunlopMotorcycleTires.com. We have a new three-year deal with American Flat Track. They are the official sponsor of Moto America, and they keep Tank Slap and Podcast going. Um, shout out Dunlop. Um, yeah, so let's Instagram transition. Instagram has that very, before we get off of that one, the Instagram still has that very, uh, It's how would I describe it? It's a... Uh, it feels the realest out of all the apps, like even though it's like, you know, superficial pictures of people, but like, it's kind of like the be real app of it's like still, you know, people want to see like the, uh, like the real side of your life. They don't want to see like fake fabricated shit. And I think with racing and with anything, if you're promoting yourself, you can do a lot of good for yourself by just like, like your good days and your bad. Like I thought you killed it with going back and recapping your career. I've been like really enjoying reading those over like the past week, by the way. I appreciate it, bro. Yeah. I, I didn't realize, I mean, for me, like just posting it, I was like, like I did the first year and I was like, no one's going to read this. Like it's, it's way too no, long. But there's a lot of personal information <laughs> in there, bro. Like that's like, yeah. your like the whole ups and downs of your career, like just in like brief form. It's like, you know, one day you could like write all that shit down in a book and like really organize it. But like, you know, yeah, for I just someone like, who's like, you could, it feels like it's coming off as like a soft story. Like, and I'm like, bro, so much has happened. Like, like I'm not trying to like, you know, I'm just being transparent and it's not just me. Like, every racer goes through all the ups and downs, but like, you know, I I'm decent at like articulating it. So every, I've had a bunch of racers that were like, man, I want to do this. I should do something similar. I'm like, dude, just do it. They're like, well, I'm not good at typing or writing. It's like, dude, who fucking cares? Like we're not writing. We're not getting published in, in a book, man. I mean, or come on the pod. Yeah. Like whatever. (laughs) Yeah. This year, I, I I don't know, like as someone who films and, been doing this for a while like i'm hardly ever in front of the camera like i'm still like it's not weird to ask people questions from behind it but like when people point cameras at me i'm just like you know like that's not i'm behind it all the time so and i know how i am when people are filming me so i kind of try to keep that in mind when i'm like you know filming content for other people you kind of build like a you know a trust and like a, a bond with people when you're working with them for a while but it's weird, bro. It's hard to, it's not for everybody to be in front of the camera, but the more, I guess like the less you put into it, like less thought you put into it and just kind of freestyle and be yourself. It's way easier. And like pretty much everyone, I'm sure that you like watching content of like, they're those kind of people like the Rispolis and shit of the world. Like it's so easy to go film James for a weekend or like, you know, just doing his thing. I still think it's important. Flat track dudes, really they're stars. Yeah, I just like, so like somebody, and I'm not trying to hammer him, but like, or certain riders, but like Davis Fisher, he doesn't, he's not a camera guy or Brandon Price or, or Chase Sadoff. But when you, when you like at the banquet, like all of Chase's videos that he did, they were short and sweet, but they're funny. Like Chase is so funny. Like Davis Fisher is funny. Like these guys that don't get in front of the camera too often um i just think they're they're overthinking it a little bit it's like dude just be yourself like who cares um people i know and i wish there were more film people i feel bad sometimes because i'm like i can't get shit for everybody but there's like tons of people it's like as much as i love filming for all the homies it's like i would love a weekend to go work with like someone that i've never worked with before like spend like a whole weekend in davis's camp and just like see what that's like you know what i mean 
like I've tried yeah. to get around as much as possible and do as much as I can, but you know, like well, there's tons yeah. of good stories and like good shit going on out there. Like the, like I like hanging out with like the McGrains, like the people in like the back corner pocket of the pits that are just out there racing, chilling, mom, dad, pickup truck. Like that's what's sick to me about flat track. Like I'm a broken record with it, but I just love that. Like pull up and race, like, you know, no, no one gives a fuck what you're wearing. No one cares like how new your bike is, or your graphics or all that bullshit. Like, I think there's a little bit more of that in moto than flat track. Like there's a lot yeah. of core dudes in moto that definitely don't give a fuck and still go out there on their 2008 monster Cowie and send it. But you know, in flat track, it's like there's a lot of people that are spending their last to get to the race. And like, I mean, on, to me, when I first started coming to the races, like I was very, very drawn to that. Like that was like beautiful to me, I guess. Like, like there's some poor ass people that make it happen every weekend and somehow are like showing up at all the outlaw events. And like, even to that, like there's people out there that I know just don't got it like that. And I've worked like way cheaper, like pretty much like not even made money on shit before. Just cause I was like, you know what, man, like that guy's getting here. He's doing it. Like I ain't going to yeah. call anybody out, but you know, it's like, that's sick to me. And especially when people win or the part of the sport of like people needing to win to keep going, you know, like there's only so much money out there. Like it, I got a lot of respect for dudes that, will pull up, you know, drive a thousand miles by themselves in a van. Like even dudes, I don't really pull for, you know, like dudes, like we talked about him before, like Trent Lowe, like dudes, a fucking battler, like drive a thousand miles by himself, turn his own wrenches to like get out there and rub elbows with Dalton. It's like, I like those guys in the sport. I know? love the, I like uh, the, uh, the Dalton and Trent battles are, they're pretty much all time, just the emotion and, how much like they just don't like being near each other, man. It's just so. But dude, like, that's awesome for the sport. So like they're good, fun. Man. It's fun as hell to watch them race a short track or whatever track. Like, but you know, as much as uh, those the polarizing figures, I guess, in the sport are good. Like I like the guys too. You know, like the BKs, they're kind of like buddies with everybody, and they get along with everybody, and they're not like it's a melting pot of personality. Like even down to the mechanics, dude, like my favorite part of it, being in the sport on a real personal level is just getting to know like a lot of the families and like a lot of people that if you kind of aren't in the pits, like you would never see them, never know who they are. Um, you know, go spend like 10 minutes in like the Royal infield crew, like around those guys. And you're like, damn, I see why people just like jump into this. It's like being around like the build train race shit. Like, that stuff's fun. And when I first saw that, I was like, man, those bikes are slow. Like that shit don't look fun. And then by the time I was like around it for a season, I was just like, damn, this is like, you know, it's not quite as entertaining as like the regular show, but from like a fun aspect, it's like, those are normal people. They're not like those girls that are riding those bikes. Like they're obviously, they're not high level pros. So it's pretty gnarly to like go out there and spin laps. Like, I think it's, I think amateur flat track riding is gnarlier than amateur moto riding. I'll put it that way. I think the, the pros are even, but you gotta have some, you gotta have some big nuts, like go out there on a twin at like Callahan and go battle with fools. Cause yeah. it hurts like shit to crash. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm it's stoked for Throwdown, by the way. Yeah, Throwdown fifth annual, man. That's actually where I uh, I've met you, right? So, um, well, let me give a shout out real quick. I got I got real estate Rispoli as a sponsor of the podcast. You brought up Rispoli, and that's our. That's our real, the official real estate guy of Tank Slap and Podcast. If you're anywhere in Florida, like Florida in general, he specializes in. He lives more in like Deland, Deltona, um, Daytona Beach, Port Orange area. But real estate Rispoli, the fastest, uh, probably the fastest real estate guy in the country. Like, so you got James Rispoli, hit him up. He's easy to find on social media and he's your guy. He will, he will find you your, your house in Florida, if you're looking for a rental property, Hog Spoley. I don't know. Is he still Hog Spoley? Who knows? We don't know what James is doing. He'll next always year. be Hog Spoley, Duke Spoley, Vibe Spoley. Vibe Spoley. Yeah. He's uh he's doing what big things guy. on the track, off the track. And yeah, we're uh happy to have his involvement. He's been a good friend of mine. Uh fucker's tough to race against, man. That guy's uh he's a determined individual and uh some of my best my best races over the, over the years have been, have been with Rispoli and uh, yeah, I'm just stoked for him and his friendship and to have him uh, on board with the podcast. But when I first met you was at winter throwdown, like um, I'm pretty lenient with media at winter throwdown, but I also don't want every Tom, Dick and Harry coming out with their fucking iPhone and standing in the infield and filming. So, you know, Dalton reached out. He's like, you know, late, uh, I have a guy and I've seen your name on his, on his stuff. Like I don't pay too much attention, but I, I kept thinking your name was Larry. I'm like, yeah, dude, like Larry. La- Larry's world. Larry. <laughs> Cause Gosh, I didn't like, like coming to our house today. As funny as that is the original Larry clan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know it was a thing. Like I, I might've like, I don't know how it became a thing. I think I accidentally like said it in a text. And then, like, everybody started referring to you as Larry. I'm like, oh, is that because, like, I I messed it up? Like, I called you Larry? And, yeah, it, it became, like, a thing. But I met you at Winter Throwdown, and uh, you came up, man. And, and then after the event, you put together, like, the sickest edit. I'm like, oh, like, yeah, Lane's, Lane's like, he's got my recommendation. So that was kind of where I first met you. It was, like, I think it was the second. Oh, dude, and I appreciated it majorly for, you know, for uh... – I guess no one would know you're kind of the guy that got me in with AFT with Jerry, my first year filming um, inside for anyone that doesn't know, like I never made any money directly from AFT to clear any air there. I guess people would probably wonder like, Oh, how do I do this shit? Like it's been like all freelance for me, but um, what this is 2021 season I worked with, uh, with mission doing stuff with roof systems and Jerry. And, uh, at the time it was Brandon Robinson, uh, Brandon price and, uh, Vanderkoy. But I kind of got in under Corey, um, just by recommendation and, uh, Jerry, awesome dude to me, uh, paid me well. And I had a really good time that first year and was kind of still able to like freelance around and shoot, you know, like obviously all the, they only had guys that were running super twins. So for the rest of the day, I could just do whatever I wanted. And it was great practice, man, like shooting flat track just at those speeds. Like if you're a manual focus shooter, which I am like, it, it takes so many shots to get a good one, especially when you first start and just like with your panning and stuff. And for the most part, I'm freehand. 
So like, I'll just like run and gun and you get so many and you film so much bullshit, but it's like, if you just film all day, you'll get some pretty good stuff. It takes forever to edit, but that was a great learning experience that first year. And I'll always, you know, be grateful to old C-Tex for hooking that one up. Oh, no problem, bro. Yeah. You definitely, uh, anybody that works hard and deserves it, man, I like to, you know, I like to give them just a recommendation, but no, I mean, you, I didn't do really anything. I just said, yeah, he's, he's, he's that dude, man. So, um, let's get into it where I wanted to do kind of like something a little different and you have a shit ton of insight with, with the riders and talking with you, like bench racing, you pay attention to the riders skills and, you know, their weaknesses, what they're good at um you know you know a lot about the sport in every class so you know i wanted to get some insight on kind of like things that happened this season that you didn't that you wouldn't have expected it prior to the year so if in like january february leading up to the year if somebody told you this was going to happen you would have said no way there's no shot and i wrote down a couple things uh, basically not on your bingo card for the 2022 season. Um, and you mentioned Jerry, I want to shout out Jerry. He's been with our podcast since day one. Uh, he's huge supporter of what we're doing. Call him uncle Jerry, just always helping out every rider possible. It's, it's underrated what he's done for Bro, a lot of a riders. Lot. Well, dude, he keeps the sport going. I mean, and without Jerry and the efforts, like he has his super twins team, but he helps out. He helps out me. He helps out, you know, he's helped out Davis Fisher and Sammy Halbert and, Chad Coase and Trent Lowe and Billy Ross, like the list goes on. It's right. I love him for all that, but I love him because Jerry's a real fucking dude, bro. Like he's Jerry's cool people. He's fun to hang out with. He's honest, uncensored. Like whenever I have a combo with Jerry, I'm laughing my ass off at the end of it. He's so just so blue collar and to the point. And I, yeah, he's, we appreciate Jerry, but one of the run through these quick, uh, I'll let you go first. I have five on my uh, that I wrote down. It was kind of hard to come up with too many because yeah, nothing um, really surprises me too much. But these five, well, I got one that I think will surprise you. Um, and and no discredit to anyone riding, but riding them. But honestly, I didn't think that uh, an Austrian bike would win a championship in the four fifties this year. I thought like after seeing. Dallas on that 450 uh, on the Yamaha and seeing how fast the Hondas were, I just really didn't like, I really didn't think that the KTM would be like the grail of bikes like it kind of is right now. It's yeah, like, I, I, I mean, mean, you like them better. I know you like the, the steel frame. And a lot of guys do. I just thought like the, as fast as the Honda was like when I saw the Turner Hondas, come i guess it was last year come to pensacola and really just hurt them i was just like holy shit like that bike is so fast like i thought they would i thought those bikes would like run away with the miles and i also thought that i mean not that trevor didn't have a good year but i thought he would have liked that that bike was not that it's yeah. probably not really fucking good but basically i thought it was better than it was like that ktm is like that's the bike to be on like any of the steel frames right now just yeah, they work for a, for a whole flat season, track. You know, like they, a, yeah, yeah. And yeah they, I mean, I'll never cut a fast left turn, but you can just see it. Like they look easy to ride. Like it looks like it just works compared to watching all the other bikes. I just feel like you have to do a lot more to other bikes 
you know, to get that same, like on the non horsepower tracks, you know, it looks like you could like almost win a race on a stock KTM where it's like none of the other bikes handle like that. Yeah. And honestly, it's not but, too, uh, not super surprising just because Max was a runner up. Um, he was runner up. So I thought Max had probably, he was my favorite, I think going into it. Um, just like he was runner up two years in a row to Dallas, who is a generational talent. So I was like, all right, well, Max is the guy. And then he had his injury. Um, I knew Cody would be good. I didn't know he'd be that good. I thought he'd win a couple races, maybe get second, third in the points. So yeah, I mean, that, that was, that's, that's a good one. Um, trying to look here, staying on the the topic of KTM, I have Rispoli on the podium at the red mile in the super twins class. Um, even leading up to that race, talking with James, he wasn't quite sure how he would be on that bike. He was hoping for a top five in production twins. And with the rule changes, the first mile of the season, the red mile is kind of like a drag strip. Um, the corners are, they're kind of slick and it's just like really long straightaways and to win the production twins. And I'll even go one farther. Like, you know, he got on the podium and super twins. He was right there. He could have maybe had a shot to win the race. And then Ben Lau was, you know, I beat Ben Lau, I think in the production main. And then Benny goes out and gets fifth in the super twins main. So I love Ben, dude. What a guy. Yeah, but that uh, was unexpected, right? Like I didn't think that bike. No, Rispoli killed good. it, man. And well, I mean, credit to James, big credit to James. But like Wally Brown and them know some shit, man. Like that Suzuki was a badass bike. Like that Suzuki, if the if they were still running those, like there's no doubt in my mind. With like if you put Dalton on that thing, Murd, you know, BK, like any of my boys or Cody Cop or whatever, like people could have won races on that Suzuki that. Yeah, it won races. Yeah, like that's a badass bike. Um, um, let's see what else do I got? Uh, oh, I put. I didn't think that Johnny's bike would have like. I, you know, it, it had its issues again this year, but like that thing was pretty good on some tracks. The Royal, I, I didn't think that the Royal would come as far as it did in a short period of time. He had a good package a couple times this year that like yeah, really worked so, and compared to everyone else. Like I'm so torn on that bike. You're around like, him. No, I'm torn on that bike. Like I want, I need to ride it. I want to ride it because I race with it. And then sometimes it'll do really well on tracks. I wouldn't expect it to do well, like running on it with the miles. It's a little underpowered, but the way that thing pulls off the corner, like at sack mile, I was with him in the semi and it was frustrating to get beat by that thing on the mile in the semi. But uh, like he would gap me eight to 10 bike links off the corner. I know. And it's incredible. Like look at a twisted racing Yamaha and then go look at the Royal infield, whatever that <laughs> thing is that's in there. Like it's, it's incredible that it's, that that thing's like been on podiums. Like, yeah, I just don't, I don't know. know. I got what a lot the of respect. Is. I love Johnny. Yeah. I don't know what the <laughs> ceiling is on that bike. If we've seen it, Cause I honestly thought they would have done better this year with their package. And I think they're just pushing the envelope to get that thing as good as it can get. But on the good tracks for that bike, I think it's as good as any, like any of the production bikes, you know, it's not for, like on a short track or something like that. Um, the TTs, you know, it's, it's not a bad package, but, um, but it's so specialized. Like not anybody can build that Royal infield. There's so much into it. 
And I don't know, I'd like to try it sometime, but moving on to the next one. Um, this is kind of, eh, I'll go, I'll do this one first. This is, uh, if you, uh, told, I personally thought I, I was confident in, in, in my, it's, it's involving me. I was, I was confident in myself to an extent. And obviously some things happened that helped out a little bit. Uh, Janish crashed in the semi, but I had pole at Castle Rock TT. So was uh, CTEX on pole on a TT on your bingo card? Probably not, right? <laughs> so um, Never would have been on my bingo card. <laughs> worse than Dalton winning the race and not being there to see fit pole on a tt would just blow my mind the jump oh yeah the jump was small though no the jumping's fine it was uh like oh i was pole i mean not pole i i sat uh front row of peoria too so um yeah i i think that kind of shocked a lot of people like if you told me in a span of seven weeks that i'd be pole at castle rock tt but i wouldn't finish on the podium at sacramento mile I would have, uh, I wouldn't have bet any, any money on that. Like I'm like, you know, maybe overconfident for the mile, but yeah, yeah. I just like, I don't know, Janice, she's like, yeah, it's kind of annoying how much you've improved on the TTs. And like, I put so much focus on improving on those TTs. Like I was TTing once or twice a week. Um, shout out to the Grimal family in Maryland. They have a TT track. I put a lot of laps down. Um, but it didn't, it doesn't do its job if I'm getting fourth at sack mile. Like that one was a track. I thought I would definitely have done better, but yeah, I just thought that was kind of. And shout out to people. Jesse though, man, he could ride the shit out of that hog, especially on, I'll, I'll always remember the nose dip and the jump at Peoria TT. That was pretty sick. Um, but yeah, y'all's battle. Uh, that was an exciting part of the season for sure. Just like, I love going every week and there when there's a battle, you know, like the singles, uh, you know, when you're around buddies that are racing against them and stuff, you know, you're never going to tell your friends like, yeah, I mean, your championship's probably fucked. But like, I felt like it by about race seven or eight, like Cody cop had just taken like a very commanding grasp on the singles this year. Merg had a good year, you know, max before injury. Definitely. You know, they were battling, but I don't well, know. Well, and Cody I, I knew all year, like, lock, dude. yeah, even with the mechanicals that Janish had, I knew how much better that bike was. Red Mile was kind of an eye-opener for me. Uh, just how good our bike was on the miles the previous, previous year, and then how hard I rode, and he still beat me on the mile. I'm like, man, we have our hands full. Like, you know, I kept saying, if we can keep this thing close and maybe squeak something out, you know, it'll be, it'll be tough. And, uh, after he won, you know, I was fourth at Peoria and I stayed in it. Um, and then, you know, Castle Rock, we, we managed Rat Rapid City, but then he won sack mile and it was like, damn, like that one was, that was one I needed. Uh, and then we went to Cedar Lake and I won it. And then Springfield rained out. He had a mechanical. We go to, there's two races at Volusia, which is probably my favorite track. It was just an intriguing storyline that a lot of people, you know, it, it, you weren't quite sure how it was going to turn out. And honestly, man, like the only reason I think I've said it on the pod, the only reason I was close is because they had mechanicals like Vance and Hines that the package they gave him this year. And, and Jesse is so underrated as a all around rider, like fucking guy can ride. And 
Uh, just deserving. Like, um, yeah, I've said it before, but yeah, anyway, so want to keep in the same. No, congratulations to Terry and Craig and Steve and all those guys at Manson Hines, man. Good group yeah. of dudes. Yeah. Stoked yeah, it's a bittersweet, you know, but uh, I'm glad. Get him a chip. I'm glad Jesse got to experience uh, being a champion because he's been, it's been a long journey for him and it, it was cool to see. So keeping with the production twins storyline, uh, Nick Armstrong starting off the year with four top five finishes. Um, obviously I know Nick's a good rider. I've raced with Nick a long time and he's one of the coolest guys in the pits. He's kind he of like a solid dude. Wouldn't say my teammate, but we were, we were under the same 10 a lot. Paul Ott was helping Nick they were traveling together and Paul was kind of our setup guy. And without Paul, I wouldn't have even been close to where we were this year. Uh, he did so much for our team. He was, we talked probably twice a week, but anyway, Nick, you know, good rider. He's won one races on a twin on a single leading up to this year, but he kind of had an off year last year. And if you told me he was going to start off the year winning Volusia and then four top five finishes, he was the points leader for like three rounds I I wouldn't have thought that was going to happen. And uh, no, a good year that, for him for sure. Third in the points, very good year was, for Nick. Yeah, I'm pumped for him, and yeah, I'm not sure what Nick's doing next year, but hopefully he stays in it because uh, I think on the right day he can have good finishes. So um, <laughs> I, yeah. I feel like that my favorite uh, current Twins rider to watch is uh, Cam Smith. He just, dude, he just does some things. Sometimes he's very committed twins rider out there he's wicked a lot more than others but yeah, i feel like if he can yeah, just Cam's get good. on a, a, a really good bike man i think he could have a lot of success on a twin yeah Cam's his, his intensity is always up man he's he's a racing some bitch he he's the fastest it. first lap rider i think there is like i yes. remember no sight lap no no <laughs> he's he goes for blood off the start i remember cedar like he like got the whole shot and I needed to win that race. He had like a half a straightaway lead in like a lap. I'm like, holy shit. And then Cam needs to simmer down a little. He rides, he rides with maybe too much intensity. He makes some mistakes, but the talent's there. And I like Cam. He's a PA boy. So he's gonna, he's gonna do well in, uh, in years to come. He just got to keep focused and keep working. And yeah, I think he'll get there, but did you have any more topic of the twins? Yeah. Like, what do you think? What do you think is the best course of action for twins racing in AFT going forward? And what should be there and what shouldn't be there, I guess? Yeah, I've, we talked about it a little bit last episode in the rules pod, but I'd like to see the most basic packages you can do. Like, you know, production twins. I don't like, I don't like traction control. I don't like twingled. I don't like heavy wheels. Like I, I think, you know, putting guys out there, maybe having uh, like a cap limit on ECUs. Cause you can buy, you can buy expensive ECUs. You can buy a probably $10,000 ECUs that help that help with, with these twins and the fuel injection. So I'd like to see it come down more to the rider. Um, and it's nothing, it's not a dig at Estenson. Like those guys are talented. They all work really hard, but the level that they're able to put on the track versus like, a Billy Ross and his family, or even G and G racing. Like they're a humble, we're a humble team. It's just, um, some, it's yeah, just, some yeah. things aren't feasible. So I, I'd like to see, you know, um, a, a closer range CC limit where I don't think we need to be nine hundreds against seven hundreds. Like I'd like to see a closer range 
CC limit. I mean, there's a lot. I could do a whole fucking podcast on on twins racing, yeah. but I just want to see. Uh, I want I want more guys that feel like they can unload out of the truck and win races. Like in 2016, when I did my own program, I you know I didn't win, but I had two podiums, and I thought I could possibly win a race. Like I came close racing Cool yeah. Jared Meese, Jake Johnson, Brad Baker, Brian Smith, uh, B Rob. Like you know, it was stacked and a lot more people had chances to podium top five than we have now. It's pretty much the same six, seven people. So. Yeah. I don't really know where I stand on the twins. It's like, I always like fuck around and make fun of like the old XR heads, but at the same time, it's like, it's kind of like hacking again. It's like, it's the Indian, I guess kind of gets pushed out, but I don't know. It's just hard for me to grasp. Um, catering any kind of sport around a bike or bikes that aren't like available for purchase you know like if you can't go down and buy one of them then like what why are we fucking making rules on them like who gives a fuck like it's you're not selling you know much love to indians like all the bagger stuff and indians are badass but it's like watching an indian win a flat track race it's kind of I don't really know if I would say that that helps sell Indians. You can't go obtain that bike. So what, you know, like if, if when Eli Tomac wins on a Yamaha 450, it's like, Oh fuck it. I'll go buy a Yamaha 450. That's bad. Yeah. It's like when Jared yeah. wins on the Indian, it's like, if I got a hundred grand burning a hole in my pocket, you know, I'm, I, well for a hundred grand, I could probably get one from Jared, but you know, you're probably not going to be able to go out and get one of those. So it's just weird to, uh, I spend too much time, in my opinion, going forward, like catering to something that's yeah, kind of on the way out. Like I'm ready to see the new push for whatever it is for twins and like where there's just some normality where it's not people just bitching about the rules every fucking week about restrictor this, this and that. Like either just be unlimited and you can just run whatever the fuck you want, whatever you can build in your garage, bring it out or, yeah. you know, make yeah, them all I feel like we fucking buy called the Yamaha series. And, We've just gotten to a point where we're just putting band-aids on the rules, trying to fix one thing, and then it creates a problem somewhere else. Like, you know, letting, uh, you know, like I said, I could get on for a while about this, but we're just kind of bandaging the the rules package, fixing one aspect of it, and it's creating a problem in another aspect. Like, I think there needs to be a just a complete revamp and we can't wait. Like we just got the rules package like a few weeks ago. We can't do that. I mean, it's, we need time to, yeah, it's got to be out for time to precisely. And it's like, we need the rules out for the next season in like May or June. Like we got like flat track. A lot of us have not you know me, but a lot of people have real jobs, normal like, jobs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, going on and it got to yeah. figure out how much boot you got to make to fund the program. And, I guess yeah. I'm just real passionate about it, bro, because I don't want to, like, you know, I'm in my film endeavors, like, I definitely have plans to do other things, but, like, I don't ever want to go completely away. Like, I always want to be involved, whether it's, you know, through Dalt and my good buddies that are doing it through racing or, you know, maybe one day at a higher level. But, yeah. you know, I like to see the uh, – I, I do think that AFT's done a, a good job in the past two years. I think a lot of people, like, not – you know, not a bunch of fans shitting on it, but I think there's a lot of people that don't realize like how good it is. I still think, uh, I think there could be a little bit more promotion wise sometimes. And but just as far as like attracting a live audience, it's very difficult to do, but 
for what for what they've done in the last two years i think they're i think they're doing a good job and i think they're trying and i think yeah. if more people come and film and more photo people and it just you know but as the iphone gets better and more people put out clips like i think it's something that is just like it's at its very early stages even being america's original extreme sport like it's kind of in a transition period right now and i think that it's in a good spot i'm not negative in any way about well, i mean the future of flat tracker racing there's things that the series can, obviously I, I feel they can do a lot better but they do a lot of good as well and honestly before we move on i have a couple more and we'll wrap this pod up but honestly the riders yeah. need to their riders need to do a better job like there's there's riders out there that want to be pro racers and they just don't they don't they don't do things that is required of a pro racer like they're not interacting with the fans they're not growing their their pages like part of being a pro racer and getting sponsors and doing all that is you got to do shit like you don't want to do like you got to treat racing like a job i mean it's a glorified hobby that a lot of us are thankful to to make a living but the top pro racers that are making money the jared mises the briars the jds um they're they're grinding like they're making money they're doing emails they're training they're, they're it's dude it's a like i feel like i have a desk job most of my like me as a racer like 30 40% of what i do is on my fucking computer like it's a it's almost like half of a desk job like trying to get sponsors and and making it work so there's definitely the riders they're oh we need to get paid more it's like you have a lot of tools at your disposal to get yeah, paid yeah you have power to go get paid go get paid exactly like, and go it sell is- yourself to you know you're on fucking fox sports sell that to companies i mean if there's not if there's not a company out there that won't pay you let's say five hundred dollars to wear their hat on Fox Sports if you get on the podium, you're just not doing it right. So anyway, before I get on another tangent, I uh, no, you, you're yeah. you're very you're very correct on that. And uh, you know, as as much as it important as it is to win races, uh, in my opinion, maintaining relationships as a racer you know, that can do a lot for you. Like having, when I see a guy that has a sponsor and that same sponsor has been with him for five years, like that says something to me about the rider and says something to me about the sponsor. It's like both of those people are, you know, maintain a healthy business relationship. Both people are putting in their part of the deal. Like that shit holds some weight as opposed to guys that are just going out and hopping every year for whatever and it's like that's all fine and dandy you can do that too but like you better be getting out there and you know like you said selling yourself like yeah there's plenty of money to be made via sponsors and crazy enough you don't even have to be worth a shit you don't have to win any races you don't have to do any of that if if you're able to sell yourself to people especially in these months at the end of the year when people are trying to spend that money before they give it away you know, all that advertising expense for the end of the year, like right now is the time to like be going out there and trying to get people on board. And if you gave to all these AFT dudes, if you just offered somebody a race package one weekend, like, Hey man, bring your wife and your kids, you know, come get drunk in the pits after the race, enjoy the race. It's like those people would come back every year. Like it's awesome to be able to get close to it. Like if you can give someone just a small return on their investment, it's like, for sure, that's pretty cool. I've never got to do that before. For sure. Um, want to give yeah. a shout out to Manscaped for supporting our pod- podcast. 20% off and free shipping worldwide with the code TANKSLAP20. Check out their website, manscaped.com. They've been on board with us. They just renewed. I love the product. It's it's underrated how how that how good that 
that freaking manscaped razor is it's uh it's waterproof it's got a flashlight just i'm shaved down like a baby seal i think it's good for a few tents on the track <laughs> definitely on the bicycle but i even think on the track like once i started like i started using the new manscaped product right before lima and I won Lima and I won Weedsport. So I think, you know, the two, two race stretch I can attribute to, uh, to the Manscaped product. So if you want to, want to, want to up your uh, results, check out, check out the product tank slap 20. Um, I got one more I'll let, I don't know if you have one more, but, uh, I actually have two more. Well, I, I'll just do one. Um, so I am, I didn't think I would see Wiles back on the track this year. I figured, um, I don't know how old he is, but dude, he's had a, an insane career. And I, after everything that happened last year, I was like, man, I doubt he'll even come back. And I was hoping he would. And he came back, did Peoria. Um, his streak was broken. I know he had some issues with his bike and things like that, but, um, and me and Henry, we're not boys, but you know, it was cool to see him come back and just take a shot. Like for him to come back off the couch, putting a, you know, 69 race win streak at Peoria on the line. I don't even know what the number was, but for him to take a shot when it wasn't looking like he knew the odds were probably the toughest it ever was this year. And for him to take that gamble, put the winning streak on the line. Like you look at guys like Floyd Mayweather and like, I feel like his last 10 fights this is boxing for those that, you know, I feel like his last 10 fights were kind of catered for him to kind of keep that, that win streak going. He didn't really want to risk his, undefeated streak and lining up this season against how good those bikes are for wiles to take a stab at it i got respect for that um and it was cool to see him back on the grid he's a good personality for the sport and uh i'm hoping i've heard he's interested in racing next year um so i'm hoping he's back on the on the grid for for 20 i hope henry stays around man he's a competitor i'm i'll uh look i pull for anybody who's going that hard like first time i saw that guy scrub the peoria jump i'm like fan we'll pull yeah. for him yeah yeah but, uh, so yeah there was a lot of things actually had that happened this year it was a good season and like i said your insight is is badass man and what you're doing for those that that don't even that are listening to this pod um lane's world on instagram uh, you do some stuff on TikTok. Do you have a face you don't do facebook really right you don't have facebook no i don't do facebook but uh I guess I haven't really told anybody about it yet. My plan for uh, December, I want to do like like a 25 days of slime type thing. Post every day for 25 days. And then I guess anyone listen, you guys are the first to know. But on Christmas or maybe the day after Christmas, I want to, uh, I already have a channel, a YouTube channel, but you know, no subscribers or anything, a page. But I'll be going live on YouTube this year uh, in 2023 and just kind of putting out, um, anything from like, you know, weekend, like I wouldn't really say vlog type stuff, but fly on the wall stuff. But I mean, there'll be like raw clips from, you know, star supercross prep, like stuff I filmed over the last two years, you know, just like a content day of stuff that I definitely, uh, I don't want to, a bunch of the stuff that I filmed, I don't want to waste it. And I think a lot of people would enjoy it. You know, maybe it does a hundred views, maybe it does a hundred thousand views. I don't really give a fuck i hope it does well but it's more for uh like the real fans like people that just want to watch and want to keep up like i've already cut all these clips up and already have all this stuff so you guys might as well see it um and then i'll be doing uh, a website and a lot of merchandise this year so if you guys want to support 
I'll try to make tasteful items, shit that you would actually want to wear on clothes that you would want to be seen in. Uh, and then I guess going forward for us for the off season, the, we got Robbie Bobby's race coming up, the clash three day event. You guys come check that out. And uh, we're thinking about doing a pitter race, maybe the day after if anyone wants to come rip area 69 and then Corey's race in January are kind of the two, I guess, big events on my calendar next. I'm doing that, a uh, GPF race next weekend, the cash for class or whatever. And then, uh, minios and then i guess like maybe other than like some supercross prep i don't think i'll do any moto stuff until next year love it man good shit coming up yeah it's you. a good yeah, time for it man and it's it's fun the off season to me is like the best time of the year because you kind of get all the aft homies together and it's like there's just a little bit more fellowship in the off season yeah it's like it's everyone can kind of relax and just oh it's friendship island it seems it like easy. dude it's like friendship it island is. at it's the like moto the, track every every guy is pitted together it's like it's like hold hands and go ride moto together <laughs> it is, and it's special it's like for those two months of the year when everyone's kind of hanging out it's just a different vibe and it's fun and not yeah, that the you, racing's not but it's its own thing but yeah, yeah yeah i love it dude so anybody this year if you catch me at throwdown or clash come drink a beer you know maybe i don't know how many people i'm shooting this year and what i'm doing uh work-wise for it but you know reach out don't be scared to ever approach me at any event and say what's up i love uh interacting with like uh, it's weird to like call people fans but i guess i would call them like fans of the work but oh, i'm a fan i love like dude. interacting I'm a with fan people of, everywhere yeah, dude, for sure handing out stickers and shit like that it's kind of like getting all the uh the fun perks of being a rider without having to go out there and be gnarly <laughs> yeah no it's it's all good man yeah i'm looking Stolen forward to that valor. i'll uh i'm gonna drop some more we have a lot of cool stuff planned for winter throwdown this year um we're changing the schedule around a little bit but if you guys follow Corey texter promotions on facebook and instagram we're gonna be dropping a lot of a lot of winter throwdown stuff. It's a major AMA national this year. So it's kind of, um, same, same style, um, level of event as minios, but, um, flat track, obviously, or giving out AMA number one plates at the end of the weekend. Uh, it's a, you know, it's a big event, but the vibe is the vibe is fun. We keep it fun. Um, you know, it's, you know, there's camping all weekend, free camping. We have a really cool thing planned. I, I can't, I can't mention it right now, but on Thursday night, we have a really cool thing close to being announced for the expert riders. And, uh, yeah, just like if you come to Throwdown, you, you know, there's just so many talented video people and photographers and the, there's always some sort of epic battle that ends up with a small fight in the pits that I have to break up. Like there's always some shit going on. And it is dude. It's got a good magic to it. It's a solid event. Yeah, it's the yeah. only event that I'm going outside in 35 degrees and florida it'll be warmer endure. it was warm last year it wasn't bad last year i'm was... coming to support uc tex in the I cold it, i will i'll be there it'll be but warmer. yeah man as yeah. far as the uh, off season all the homies all the flat track people out there come rip I'm in pensacola we got plenty of pitter tracks pdt is open for training anyone wants to come rip some laps uh you guys hit robbie bobby up and before I get off, I I really do. I want to give a like a big shout out and a big thanks to Rob uh, uh, for one, 
for all he's done for me and getting me to the races. And I've roomed with Robbie so many times and traveled literally across America with him. And uh, I want to thank Brent Donnelly and Amy um, for letting me rent a house from them and for always just making sure I had whatever I needed on race weekend, always letting me use their rig, uh, come and stay in Michigan. Like if you're doing the film thing uh, for anybody out there who's wanting to get into it, like there's, there's a lot of days where you're like, damn, can I really like make this shit happen? Like you're definitely going to need people along the way, unless you're a trust fund kid or just getting paid ridiculous amounts of money for your projects that like every now and then you're going to need someone just kind of help you out a little bit to get you there and keep you going for it kind of goes big for you. And, uh, Rob and Brent and them, they've really done that for me. So I want to give a big shout out and thanks to them. Love to hear it, man. Yeah. Thanks for coming on dude. And, uh, I'll see you soon, man. I'll, I'll talk with you soon, but yeah, I'll see you soon. Uh, appreciate you, dude. All right. C-Tex. I appreciate it, buddy. Yeah. Uh, y'all have a good one. Peace. All right. Peace lane. That's a wrap, guys. Make sure you subscribe on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes. Follow us on social media, comments, reviews. All that stuff helps, keeps us going. It keeps the pod going. Appreciate all the fans for listening. Until next time, we out.